Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to another episode of We're All a Little Crazy. I'm your host, Eric Houston, along with co-host, sports business insider, Darren Ravel, NHL great, Theo Fleury, and incredible guest for you today. I'm going to introduce him in a little bit, and I'm going to tell you that the reason why I invited him on in particular is because we we're filming this docuseries right now. And he was one of the guests that we interviewed during the docuseries. And he had a really interesting take on the way in which the media portrays certain behaviors that we see from certain public figures um, and whether or not the way that media portrays that behavior is productive, counterproductive, whether we as a society uh, piggyback on that be on the way that they talk about that behavior, and we end up spinning to a worse place. And where we find ourselves right now, this week, talking in the realm of current events, is about Antonio Brown. You know, Darren and Theo, we we talk all the time about different stories, whether they're sports related or not. And I think this Antonio Brown one has hit a feverish pitch enough. Now, the most recent news that came out about him is that he went on Snapchat. And he released pictures of the mother of his children in compromising positions, both picture, still picture and video, which, by the way, again, current event right now, he's claiming someone got in and hacked into his social media channels and it wasn't him doing it. As I see Theo knock his head back and unfortunately, look, that's his story he's putting out there. I want to give a little bit of a timeline of what we've seen from Antonio Brown you know, I'm looking at Darren as I'm saying this because when you when you're a football fan, you watch Antonio Brown from 2010 to 2018 with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's funny because they won championships before that. He comes in, he kills it in terms of stats. Doesn't win a title with Pittsburgh, but his coach is Tomlin, his quarterback is Roethlisberger, and seven-time Pro Bowler. The guy's killing it in terms of stats. Then towards the end, you start to hear about altercations starting to happen, that these ruffling feathers with the coach, ruffling the feathers with Ben. There's some big personalities there. There's even a story that he tapes in the locker room, um, Tomlin's postgame speech, when they have the Patriots coming up, and he puts it out there, which is a no-no uh, in professional sports for an athlete to put that type of private information in terms of what a coach says out there. Goes to the Raiders. Okay, with the Raiders, he has this run-in with the NFL changing the requirements on helmets. He decides he doesn't want to change his helmet. He wants to wear the same helmet he's always worn. Appeals it twice, doesn't win the appeals, makes a big to-do about it, gets into trouble with his GM, Mike Mayock, at the time, uses a derogatory, so we hear, right? We don't have it on tape, but so we hear a derogatory word towards Mike Mayock that relationship dissolves where does he go after that he goes to the patriots where we've seen a lot of players who are have problems off the field let's use that in air quotes like a randy moss go and it's like well playing under bill belichick 
playing with Tom Brady as your quarterback, things will go great. Unfortunately, they don't go great. He's signs a one-year deal with them, but only plays one game. And the reason why they have to release him after one game is because multiple three that I was able to find sexual assault accounts against him, right? So right around this time, he breaks up with his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, who that guy can represent anyone. So that also says something to me that there's relationship issues there with a, with a, with a super agent like that. Why is that breakup happening? Things that you wouldn't read about as much right now that I just remember reading about. He had uh, a moving company moving his stuff in and threw a brick at the the, the gentleman in the in the van. So you had that incident. He eventually goes to the Buccaneers. He, when you look back at his, his career, the amazing thing is the Super Bowl that he won was with the Buccaneers, with Brady, right? Has a great year with them, not a full year, but a great year just collectively with them. And it leads to probably the most public fallout that we saw, which was he's on the field, he's playing the Jets, my Jets, right? So, of course, it's going to happen when it's playing against that team for some reason. But there's an altercation with his coach. Coach wants him on the field. We don't know the full extent of whether or not that he was being asked to play on a really severely ankle, uh, injured ankle or whether he just was upset with his playing time that he was getting in that game. Bruce Arians says he's never seen anything like it, Bruce Arians being his head coach. Um, and he storms off the field, essentially, throwing his jersey off, shirtless, throwing his jersey and his gloves into the crowd, hyping up the crowd like it's a WWF back in the day, WWE now, um, uh, display. And you kind of get a sense this guy's never going to be taken back on a football team ever again. Goes on Real Sports, is asked about his mental health, says, I got my mentals all in check. I got people who love me. I got a family who loves me. What do I have to have any type of mental health complications about? You guys are going down the wrong path bringing that up. And then getting us to where we're at today, exposes himself in a pool video of that. I think it was in the UAE. I forget exactly what country it was, but that goes viral. And then this most recent incident, you know, with his with the mother of his children. And so the guest that I have on today, and I tease it a little bit, is someone who's become a good friend of mine, someone I talk to just about life in general. Uh, it's Dr. Stephen C. Hayes. He's the father of ACT Therapy, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. And I was out in Reno at his house when we were taping the docuseries. And, and Stephen, as I introduce you here, I remember you saying the lines. It's, it's vivid in my head. It's like the media looks for those lines look at how strange that person is I'm, I'm, I'm imitating you the best that i can look at what's different about them look at how crazy they are and it creates an us and them them the affected people and us who are watching them like they're an animal in a cage right that, that, that last part was not your words i'm ad-libbing there so steven first of all welcome awesome to have you thank you for joining us great to be here and, and, you know, Theo and, and Darren, as, as you're hearing this, because because I want to go into the history of, of Antonio Brown with Dr. Hayes, because Dr. Hayes is going to have an awesome clinical take, worldly take on where these behaviors come from. But Theo, through the lens of a professional athlete, let, forget about your trauma for a second and your own history. Yep. Just from the mm -hmm. lens of a professional athlete, what have you been thinking when you've been seeing this? And then Darren is a member of the media. Yeah, I see it as, you know, uh, somebody who's in a lot of pain, 
emotional pain who probably has a lot of suppressed anger and sadness. Well, you know, he's acting out the anger, but he's hiding, you know, the sadness that's underneath. Um, you know, uh, if you look at the end of my career, you know, there's a lot of similarities there of acting out on the playing field, you know, being in a very angry state, you know, and, uh, football and hockey are a really good place to place your anger, right? Cause you, there really isn't any consequences for, you know, um, being that way. They actually want you to be that way. They want you to be on the edge. Right. So, um, so I, I look at it from a really sort of compassionate lens, right? And, uh, you know, I see a lot of similarities in myself and I see you're, a lot of similarities. At it, you're looking at it at a compassionate lens, Theo, but you're looking at a compassionate lens because of the work you've done on yourself. So, 100%. So I want 100%. you to re- rewind a little bit because <clears throat> you said you were that guy, like you you remember the end of the career was like that. I'll, I told you before this, call, this, this, this uh, podcast, like I'll be open about, you know, an amateur and then college player, some of the behaviors I saw. But like when you're looking at it through the lens of comparing Antonio Brown to other players you've seen, comparing Antonio mm-hmm. Brown to yourself, just being a prof- like it probably wasn't so, so strange to you as an athlete would be my guess, not mm-hmm. looking at it through the compassionate lens, just looking through the athlete lens. Cause you're probably yeah. like this type of shit happens all the time. Like we lose our shit all the time. Yeah. And you know, when you're, you know, when you're highly paid individual, the expectations are through the roof. And the thing is, is, is you can't live up to other people's expectations. And then you set your own expectations, which are higher than the fans and management and your own teammates expectations. So you're really setting yourself up for failure. And when you do fail, you know, how are you going to express your disappointment and anger within yourself? How are you going to, are you going to do that? Well, you're going to take, take all your clothes off and you're going to, you know, you're going to take your puck in your net and you're going to go home and you're going to make a spectacle out of it. Right. As you're, so as you're saying it, right. Like you, we, we've all watched sports. The four of us who are here, we watched sports our whole life. We're all fans. And, and you, you think to like, okay, there's been so many instances of, of, strange behavior let's call it that my mind goes to george brett right that's like one of the first images that's indelible in my mind is like running out of the dugout the whole pine tar incident screaming at someone right darren you know theo's well and 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 and, you know in a sort of strange kind of way you think you're actually right in your righteous anger and your righteous you know portrayal of what you're feeling in the moment. Yes. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I think of George Brett and, you know, he, he really didn't do anything wrong. Right. But, you know, in the moment under that amount of pressure, you're going to fucking snap. You're (laughs) just going to, you're just going to snap. Even if you're not doing something wrong, the question is, is the behavior the appropriate behavior for the stage that you're on? And, and we're going to bring Dr. Hayes in because we're going to talk about, the controlling of the behavior that Darren, I, I, I want to ask, like you've seen Theo's talking about it through the lens of an athlete. 
when you're talking about through the lens of someone in the media who's reported on these things before, did, 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 and, and obviously there's been, I, I just went through the litany of things. So there's different time periods you could describe this as, but was there ever a point where you were watching this stuff with Antonio Brown? And you're like, that's a little offlandish, but it's not so different than what I saw I've seen with other athletes. So we always talk about on this show about the lack of synthesis by the media. But when we talk about that, we talk about different people. This person died by suicide. This person died by suicide. This person died by suicide. And yet there's no synthesis there, right? Now, what happens if you have the same person? How is it possible not to have synthesis? And yet there is. It's impossible. People take each of the incidences and and they don't string it together as if it is the same person. Now, I don't know what about human condition does that, but each time with Antonio Brown, we are shocked. And each time it's about what happened in that one moment. Right. And it right. and and it was what that moment was, not what caused that moment. Yeah. And so that is really what I look at because I'm looking at it from people throwing it at me. And at each time, if you look at it as in each moment, you could just say he's crazy. You could just, but if you look at it in totality, how could you not say this is trauma? How could you not say there's that, that, that this is one individual who is wired in one way he has a uh he has experiences and things that have affected him and in each situation not a different thing happens the same thing happens every time it's a different thing but it's actually the same yeah and it Um, might it might be it might be that it's a little more outlandish in some places because it's more attention seeking but but steven as we bring you in here what darren's referring to is we focus a lot on this show on, you know, and I'll take just suicide alone out of it. Like, oh, we had this player that died and that's related to alcoholism. We had this player that died and that's this thing called overdose. We had this player that died and that's this thing called mental health. This is this other one called mental illness. And then there's never a narrative thread by the media brought together that no, this is this general thing called mental health about how accumulation of stuff builds up over time. And these are the outcomes that come from us in a maladaptive way, dealing with those th- these things. And salient point by, by Darren here, which is you got Antonio Brown and instead of their, like the, here's forced commonality on the, the, the general public, the same guy <laughs> and so many incidents happen, but yet the way the media portrays it and then how we receive it is, well, he's crazy in this way train wreck bam okay he's out of the spotlight for three months well then he's crazy in this way train wreck and 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 i think darren used a great point he said we're surprised by it right as if we shouldn't be expecting this happening and darren as you're saying that now bringing it to you dr he's like when i saw the first incident with antonio brown with the um, with the on the football field with the jets that wasn't the first but the first like major major one that really stuck out to people my initial gut instinct was, oh, shit, like, unless he gets help, this type of stuff is going to keep happening. So when you when you see the world through that lens, it's different. So now, so Stephen, in bringing you in, you hear this story, you, you, you hear these stories, plural, 
as as someone who does this on a daily basis and and for lack of a better term and you might not like this term psychoanalyzes people right but and 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 theo darren and i do it from an armchair standpoint but you do it from a professional standpoint what is your 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 holistic view of the person who is antonio brown forget about what the media is saying for a second just you you and in fairness you've never had him in practice even though you've worked with athletes before he's not your personal client but when you look at the person what do you think well, I wonder how he answers that question himself, you know, because when he's asked, you know, what's going on, he says, I don't have any thing, I got et cetera. Right. And, you know, he's being invited to into adopting kind of a persona. The fans ask him to it. He's in a role looked up to by others, et cetera, and he's playing it out. You know, and what I see, I think what most of us see is that sort of sense of watching it a train wreck in slow motion. But what's important is not the content, but the process. What's actually going on here? Who is this guy? What's what's going on? And, you know, it tends to be a pretty simple thing. And it follows over these different incidents. You know, he's having a hard time regulating his emotions, even being open to his emotions. He gets wrapped up into these self-judgments probably. And then he expresses that out towards others. You know, the coaches acting like a, you know, fill in the blank and he's going to show you that doesn't seem to take a perspective on it and doesn't probably have a sense of how it's landing with others. My guess is he does not know until it all falls on his head, how far out of the window of what you'd expect he is because inside the persona and driven by those emotions and thoughts, you know, this is just, of course, you know, you know, well, you know, what I, what, what you would want, I think, from, for him and from him, but also from us looking at it, is can we not take the superficial? Can we get down to what's actually going on here? And and then the things are not so, so mysterious. They fit together. And we're all on that journey. We're trying to figure out how to manage our emotions, not get wrapped around our thoughts, dig down to who we really are, not just this clown suit we put on, and be about something in your life. And and being able to take the perspective of others, connect with others and you know, does he really know how those pictures landed with his wife, with others? My guess is no. I mean, he's not inside his own skin in a way that he can crawl inside the skin of others. It's and- so interesting you bring that up, Stephen. And I'm, 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 I don't want to stop your momentum, but I want to, because you have so many good points that I want to kind of dive deep into each of them and get Theo and Darren's take on it, is his realization that something might be wrong and being outside that window. Because I brought up George Brett. You could tell after when he would when he cooled down, like he was a little bit of ashamed of his behavior, right? Like he's proud of who he is. And, and to Theo's point, he didn't do anything wrong, but he knows that was a little bit of an overreaction. I can think back to so many times, again, amateur, I screamed at a referee, like I made a scene and and then I'm embarrassed in front of parents after, right? Darren, you probably have countless examples where athletes did something and then crawled back and went, I'm sorry I did that. I sh- That's not how I should have handled that situation. And what's fascinating here, Stephen, if you don't mind diving into how this happens, is why is it for some people the realization is there? Like, I flip my lid, essentially, and I'm sorry for anyone who finds it derogatory. We're going to talk about wording and what's a better wording. But I went overboard. And now I realize whether it's for PR purposes and I got the right people around me, or I just realized that myself as a human being, 
I got to put back in the bag what just came out of the bag. You've not seen that from Antonio Brown. And why is that the case? Why do people's brains develop that way where they don't feel any type of remorse or damage or what have you? What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Yeah, and that's the scariest thing about all the stuff that you said and that sense of, you know, what, what do I have to be mental about, et cetera, where there's not a, a stepping back and looking at your own life. And, and it, it is the challenge all of us have. We have even watching it, don't we? You know, like, yeah, you can feel the pull to j- judge or or just take it as entertainment. But, you know, there's a wiser part of you that says, you know, what is, what's going on here? And you kind of see yourself in some of these instances, when we went around the horn, you, you know, that was part of what was being talked about. You can kind of see yourself in that, um, you know, and, and if you don't do that, well, then you're just running on automatic pilot. I don't know what program the emotional response is to be that extreme or the or the self-judgment, self-loathing to be that extreme or why you can't th- take the perspective of others. But if, if you can't do any of that, then it's hard to get inside your own skin and focus on what's important. And- but is it is it as simple, Stephen, as like... When Theo and I talk about emotional pain all the time, as novices talking about it, you know, with the with the lived experience experts, so I don't offend Theo with that calling he and I novices, right? But when, when you look at it through that lens and you say people avoid emotional pain. Yeah. So for someone who doesn't acknowledge that what they did was wrong, in some cases, and again, you haven't been with Antonio to know this for sure, but those people who can't apologize can't see what they did was wrong and can't see how it's going to affect their career. Is it because acknowledging that they're sorry or that they were wrong, it would make them dive too much into their pain and, and acknowledge and admit that they did something that wasn't correct. that wasn't socially acceptable. It very likely would open the door to some of these painful experiences that got that pattern started. You know, and if you can't do that, then your own history is like right behind you and you have to keep running as fast as you can because it's going to catch up. And would you guess that he has a hellacious history that goes back a long way? I would. 
I would. I don't know what it is. I'll he, I'll share it. I'll share it. And 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 as you're saying that, and 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 I'm going to share the background. And Theo, I want you to chime in because what what Stephen's saying, he just gave a much greater detail than the guests that I had on it, which is being willing to go back to that pain is too painful that it should be a cautionary tale, but also a sympathetic tale of people. That's not taking away the culpability of what uh, Antonio Brown has done to hurt other people publicly. That's not what we're trying to do here, but a sympathetic tale in that this person is a hurting person. Okay. So now let's go a little bit of the background here grows up in a really difficult neighborhood in Florida uh, Darren, his coach was T.Y. Hilton's father, right? The receiver. Uh, what we know about that area, three of their teammates were murdered. Uh, there's tons of violence. They're seeing uh, tons of, of uh, lives being taken, you know, in the streets there. He's got a mother and father that break up at a young age. His father is a Arena League football player, Eddie Brown, supposedly one of the best, or it is before my time, Theo's shaking his head as if he remembers the name. So one of the best arena football uh, players of all time. But because of that, Antonio Antonio doesn't see his dad often at a young age. So the dad's broken up from the mother. He's living with the mother and the dad's playing football. They're not having much relationship. Their relationship comes back together around Antonio being eight years old. Then the father becomes estranged. They, they lose the relationship goes away. Okay. Well, there's a stepdad in the picture now that Antonio's mom uh, remarries. Relationship there, strained relationship, not the best relationship from what we hear. Blow up at 16 years old now instead of eight. So twice the age, leaves his mom and his stepdad, can't take living with them, goes to live on the couches, couch surfing with his friends. Leads to him difficulty with getting into colleges applies to FIU, gets in, but apparently some altercation on campus and they don't want him going there anymore. Okay, fine. He ends up having a good career with Darren. I think it was Central Michigan. Um, and okay, so then you see yeah, him. He actually, he actually, J.J. Uh, Watt and him were on the same team, which is wild to think before J.J. transferred. I mean, when you, yeah, you think about like players like that back then, right? And but 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 the interesting thing is like, I've seen some interviews recently where, they were showing Antonio Brown in 2012, 2013 on, on the Steelers. And people were like, remember when Antonio Brown wasn't crazy. Right. And it's fascinating that that's what the, the, the general public's take on it is because they don't know these things that I just read out of all these things that are building up and how he's trying, probably trying to keep it together. Right. So Theo, when you hear what Dr. Hayes said about, the avoidance of the pain Mm -hmm. and that that being a reason to not admit and to not go back and to not apologize and to not address one. Do you remember situations in your own career where you avoided? Do you, Mm -hmm. do you, you, have you seen other players that you played with in a similar situation where they're doubling down? I I would, I would point a little bit to the Kyrie Irving thing recently until he was made to quote, apologize about that. That sometimes we avoid our willingness to be, you know, apologetic in some way. For sure. <clears throat> well, one thing I know about anger and rage is you can actually black out when you're in that state, right? You black out and not remember anything that happened, right? Um, so 
I was I was with the Rangers and I was not in a good state of mind. And we were in Pittsburgh playing an afternoon game. <clears throat> and I got called for four penalties in a row. So I went in the box, came out, got a penalty, went good served Lord. the penalty, came out, four penalties. So after the fourth one, I skated off the ice. I went into the dressing room, took all my equipment off, got on the bus and sat there for three and a half hours by myself. So, <laughs> you know, it was like, it's amazing. You, know, you remember I, that. I was like, I could kill the referee and my career could be over or I could keep playing the game and get like four more penalties, which would further hurt my team even more than I already did. Two of the penalties were like a joke, like a joke. The ref had it out for me for some reason. I don't know what, but four penalties in a row in the same period never happens, never happens. And so my coach said to me at the end, of the, you know, cause I was on the bus. They, they thought I, you know, fucked off, you know, left Pittsburgh. Everybody gets on the bus and I'm sitting in the back seat of the bus and the coach comes up to me. He's like, what happened? I said, well, I said, first and foremost, I go, I don't think I deserve those penalties. And then second of all, I said, I didn't want to hurt the team. So I just thought it was probably better for me to just not play, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so he kind of looked at me and he was like, okay, you know, but you know, when you're in that state and frame of mind, you know, you can cause so much damage that that is going to follow you around for the rest of your life. But right? Theo, that, that, and, example, that example that you gave with the Rangers, you came to your senses when you were on the bus and when the coach came up to you and you had a logical mm -hmm. explanation for why you do it. Whether people agree with it or not, you had a logical explanation. But, but, can, you, thinking... can, you, but can you imagine as a coach or fans that Theo Fleury just disappears? Oh, absolutely. From, no, no, no. From, from, no, you, from you, the game. Look, that's one of those things, right? I'm using air mm -hmm. quotes. That's one of those things that fans will point to be like, that guy's crazy, right? You were saying, Islanders fans would, mm -hmm. would scream crackhead, right? When you when you would come onto the ice, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so, okay, now we're talking about behaviors, but I'm, I'm thinking more of maybe it happened when you can were. I just, can I just get in and say, like, as all this is happening, like, at least Theo's second year with the Rangers, he's, like, leading. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole thing's ridiculous. Like, with, with Antonio Brown, it's like, okay, it's like he can't, he can't function. But, but like, Theo was, like, leading the team in everything, by the way. In yeah. fairness, Darren, look, why why was Antonio Brown given the chance that he was given with the Bucks? Right, right. Even right, after right, all those things, right. is because he was a producer. Theo would probably admit the same thing. Like he was a producer. That's why he was able to get away with some things that other people might not yeah. be able to get away with. But Theo, I was, I was thinking more. But, but I was I I just remember. I just like the con I just like I sometimes think we need the Theo's not gonna tell you the context, but like you know, he's 32 years old. He's an all-star game starter. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, when you yeah. when you think about it, it's ridiculous. So I think people just need to understand that even as that's happening, mm -hmm. how how functional, right? And then the whole when when Theo goes away, the whole team is shocked and surprised, you know? So it's the same thing. Yeah. But, but I think if you look 
like hockey was really easy for me. Like it was easy. If I stepped on the ice, because I, you know, I subscribe to the Malcolm Gladwell theory of 10,000 hours. And by the time I got to New York, I'd probably have 25,000 hours of practice. So when I was on the, on the playing field, like my brain, I didn't have to think. Sure. Oh, it was all reactionary. So it didn't matter what was going on off the ice. As soon as I stepped on the ice, my body, my brain, my faculties were 100% there. But I would get triggered Triggered, during the game with words or actions of other people, which would cause my brain to go, (laughs) you know, and then I would react in a way that, that, you know, I, at that point, I didn't have any control over anything that happened in my past. Sure. Cause I hadn't, I hadn't even opened that Pandora's box at that time. Right. I was just kind of at the beginning of the healing journey where I was starting to open up some of these, you know, <clears throat> some of these uh, traumatic events that happened in my life. But, but, where, but where the average but, person can relate to you, Theo, and relate to, you know, Antonio Brown and then the, any other player mm-hmm. in this case is, Darren, you're coaching your, your your two sons playing hockey right now. I would almost guarantee that sometime in the last month alone, both of your sons, one a goalie, one a forward, has flipped their shit. Okay, I'm going to use that language, like where they've lost it because they're pissed off that something happened. I think and, I think I've lost it more than them to be okay. Honest. Okay, so you're you're protecting your children here. I, I got I got, I got called out for for screaming. So okay, so so whether you're a player, or you're a father. Okay, outside of the realm of being a major professional athlete on one of the five major stages here in the U.S., you've flipped it before. You've lost it before. And so the average person that sees that and knows that they've done that themselves. I mean, if you've been involved in competitive sports, either as a fan or a player, you've lost it at some point. And what feels but it only becomes it only becomes the act. I just I just found the. Uh, the New York Times article from Theo's uh, game. Oh, okay, God. this over, is what Darren's doing while we're talking. Over the last fifteen games, Flurry has been assessed twenty-three penalties for <laughs> eighty-nine minutes. The breakdown: one delay of game, one goalie interference, two holding obstructions, three roughings, five slashings, two high stickings, two cross checks, one a major, two unsportsmanlike conducts, and five misconducts. Okay, so so you're you're building the narrative here for me, Darren, in the way that I, I hoped. And, but that's it's, all they see, though. It's hilarious. They see but, the action. Yeah, but they see the action. But, Darren, what I'm trying to build towards is every one of us has had a period of the meltdown in the competitive place where either the blackout happens or the emotional brain takes over. In the case of Theo, as you're describing right there, with all those incidents happening one after the other, and Theo, you could you could tell me I'm, all, I, I, I'm out of line here for saying this, probably playing in the 90s, was a little bit easier with respect to social media and how in oh yeah face for sure these highlights were. Mm-hmm. So when you're reading Darren and we're laughing at, if that was happening in 2023, that would be the most hysterical statistic. We'd all be talking about it, and there'd be memes, which there weren't back then, of Theo committing all these different penalties, right? So if each of us can have these individual ones that happen and they happen in smaller chunks, 
what Theo's sharing with his narrative as each of those penalties are coming out from a guy that we know went through the sexual abuse that he did at age 16, guy that we know had the father who was the addicted gambler, from the guy that we know that was dealing with the volatility with his mother in the household. What he's showing is those individual incidents that each of us have, he's now getting to the point where the buildup is happening and it's harder for him to hold each of those things in. And that's why more of those incidents are happening. Theo, without looking at the statistics, is it fair to say you probably didn't have a stretch like that in your first five years in the NHL playing for Calgary? Right. No. Okay. So there would be there would be an incident where I'd get twenty yes. minutes and penalties in one incident. One incident. Yep. Right? But then I would go, you know, twenty games and it wouldn't happen again. You yep. know what I mean? So yeah. But I know exactly what was going on at that time. <clears throat> so they'd put my wife. Uh, ex-wife on medication medication wasn't working so she went to a doctor who put her on another medication so she went cold turkey off the first medication started the second medication and was completely off her rocker and here i am playing on the road not knowing if my kids are going to be safe because my wife is in full psychosis Yep. at the time yep. and there, and nobody was helping us. Yep. Nobody was helping us, yeah. you know, and I get these strange messages, phone calls, you know, I'm checking my phone in between periods to see, you know what I mean? So it was just like, it was, it was just too much. But your right? history, your history is well-documented Theo of what you dealt with before that as a kid. Now you're dealing with these additional things as an adult with what's going on with your wife, I'm glad you used a clinical word, even though I don't love clinical words, so that off the rocker is now understood that your wife was dealing with something mental health related that she was in, have she was in, she was in full psychosis from, from being medicated the wrong way. Exactly. Right? So, 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 yeah. so now, okay, we've got, this so scenario. now you have, now you've got layers. You've got, now layers. you're exactly. starting to add layers, right? Yes. And when you have layers, you know, upon layers, <clears throat> and you have no um, tools or skills to be able to self-reflect in that moment. Yes. You know, that's what happens, right? So, so, and so, so and so, and so if we're talking about Antonio Brown, right, I see layers, layers. upon layers upon layers with no coping skills or tools yeah that's what's going to happen yep. and that's what happened for me you know during that stretch of of uh you know craziness so so i gotta ask dr hayes after hearing that from theo the hardest thing for me to wrestle with and maybe it's because it's two sides of the same coin is when you when you describe let's take media out of it let's talk about just everyday people when we're describing the behaviors that we're seeing from an antonio brown how does someone differentiate between it's the accumulation of the layers of stuff over time versus the people who want to put it in the bucket of he's a bad person who makes bad decisions and and is there a line what is the line and how do we define it well you need both those lines because, you know, when people step over into criminal behavior and so forth, the most compassionate person, you want to see them as a person, you want to be there for them. And no, you don't get to do 
things that harm others. You just don't. And and you shouldn't have an easy excuse of, oh, well, I got a history. We've all got a history. And so we want to bring that sense of compassion, but not in this kind of indulgent way. But one of the things I want to point to with all these changes and social media and so forth, you know, and, and the, you know, the, the adulation and the, the peaks of the mountains are even higher and the money's bigger and the constant attention is big. And, you know, there's a reason why it isn't just skills coaches now, it's mental performance coaches. And the mental performance coaches, if they're good, are focusing on real mental health and resilience skills. You know, they may talk about it in a way that an athlete would understand, grit, for example, and things like that. But they are the same things that everybody, including the fans, are looking at. And if you if you do it right, you know, sports is such a wonderful metaphor for all these things, you know, competitive challenges. You pretend it's really important. You kind of know that it isn't. We're just making up rules. We're like little kids chasing who can catch, you know, touch the tree fastest. It isn't really important, but we pretend it is. And, you know, in life itself, that's a cool thing. And if you can, you know, have that rental resilience. You know, my guess is without all those penalties, probably then even more effective as an athlete. But, the, you know, nowadays the mental performance coaches are trying to do that. I think what we need is kind of a mental performance coach for the whole freaking culture, because of course we're watching now after COVID, all the rest. We all know it's not one out of five. It's five out of five. And it's not one hour a week. It's 24 seven. And, you know, we see it in our kids. We see it in our families, our churches. We see it everywhere. So, and what is the it we're seeing? And I think what we're seeing is it's hard to be human and we have to up our game because the, the, the world is more challenging now than it used to be. You are more exposed to more things that are more painful, more regularly, more judgment, more comparison to constant flow, all things that are hard for people. And the athletes just really are under the full bright light of that. And I think we need to really make, sure that the professional teams are bringing it because they're going to pay the cost if they won't. It isn't just the individual players, but the whole team, the whole enterprise suffers. But I think a fan suffer too. We don't want to see this, you know, sad stories. We want to, you know, be lifted up in our own lives. There's there's a lot of people that uh, take uh, pleasure in seeing a athlete go down, right? You know, I would say it's you know, I don't even know what it would be, but, you know, uh, they think that anyone money, of prominence, they, Leo, anyone of prominence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and therein lies the problem. So we can't look at it from a compassionate lens. We, we look at it from a jealousy lens, a, you know, entitled lens, all those things. But, you know, uh, when you were talking, you know, sports was basically the first reality TV show that we ever watched, right? And that's why we're so, uh, you know, crazy about sports is because it's real life, real drama, real TV, you know, right in front of our eyes. And 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 we look and we and we look to these people, you know, to examples. You know, like we all know that if there's two minutes left in the game and Brady's down. We want to watch that. We want to see him over and over again, you know, go down with, you know, no time on the clock and win the game. Like that's all that's, we all want to be like that. We all want to be under the most pressure packed situations and see that happen. Right. That's why we're so intrigued with, you know, sports 
is because we watch people under the most extreme pressure either uh, succeed or they fail. Right. Well, and, all the great stories and, are like that, you know, I mean, Star Wars or Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings, all the same thing. But, you know, nowadays you can go into your chat rooms or other and you can just hate on these athletes. And blah, blah. But here's the thing. The research has been done on this. The more that wagging finger is 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 going after the athletes when that person's brushing their teeth in the morning. I'm talking about the fan. They're wagging their finger at themselves. I mean, you you are indulging something and it kind of feels good and it kind of it's entertaining but it doesn't live good it doesn't land good it doesn't lift you up it pushes you down and so the kind of compassion we need i think is the kind that's the kind of wise mind thing where you know we as fans can enter into these stories and root and cheer and be fanatics fans right but also in a way that when you get up in the morning and brush your teeth, you're feeling better about yourself. And is that even again? That's possible if you if if you if the right skills are being focused on the the right mental resilience, grit, etc. is being focused on. Is 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 that because? And Theo shared this with me before that we get triggered by the things we see in other people that are actually in ourselves. Yeah. So so mirror, all mirror the- neurons. Yep. Mirror so for all the, all the people who are calling it, I mean, Stephen, for our Instagram page, I wanted to show people visually what's happened. And Darren, I went on Twitter. I know Darren's got a love hate right now with Twitter. I went on Twitter and I go, all right, I'm just going to look up Antonio Brown reaction. I didn't put in Antonio Brown out of his mind. I just did Antonio Brown reaction. Right. And I found the first six things that I pulled up. I did it based on date, you know, the latest you could do by latest. Antonio Brown's crazy. Antonio Brown's out of his mind. Antonio Brown lost his mind. Antonio Brown's a lunatic, right? And I just, I copied and pasted them all into a graphic to be able to show everyone, like, this is what people are saying, right? And I think there's a little piece of when we watch that, we go, oh, I lose my stuff, right? (laughs) Being a little cleaner with the language. I lose my stuff every so often, and I see some of myself in that, but He's even crazier than me, right? Okay, and so you, you, the the point that you brought up earlier, Stephen, which which I really want to harp on, as you know, we think about how do we help move this conversation forward? How do we help the media? How do we help society talk about this differently? As you said, if I if I'm paraphrasing you, both can be true. He okay. both can be a sympathetic figure. And he can be someone that we have to hold accountable. We say that's wrong. You can't do that, and there's repercussions for that. But, but but what people need to understand in both those things being true, that if we as a media and 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 from Stephen A. Smith to, in fairness, someone who's as revered as a Joe Montana after the incident happened on the field with um, the Jets and, and when he was playing for the Bucks, calling, well, what did you see there with Antonio Brown? I mean, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. The way, How crazy he acted. The guy's making millions of dollars. Why did he do what he did? We need our society to understand the ramifications of using that terminology. Now, people might think, Eric, are you being a snowflake in this case? Are you being oversensitive in this case? Because, you, you know, we're getting really soft in what we're calling people. No, I'm not. And here's the reason why. The history of how we treat people in the society related to this concept of mental health is 
if that person's crazy and they fit in that crazy category, lock them up and throw away the key. Okay. So what we're perpetuating by using that language to describe Antonio Brown's behavior, to describe if it was more within the social media era, Theo's behavior during those games as they're crazy, they're out of their mind, they're a lunatic. What you're doing is you're casting this light on someone that they're irreparable. There's no way to help this person. We shouldn't be sympathetic towards them and they should just be an outcast of society. And what we're trying to do by painting this through the lens of mental health is to say, hold on a second here. Like there's a reason why Stephen Hayes invented ACT Therapy. There's a reason why there's CBT and DBT out there. There's a reason why there's trauma releasing exercises out there. It's because we want people to get help. And to Theo's point about the narrative of, you know, Brady going up and down the field, we want to see as much as it's a great train wreck story. I don't mean that in a mean way. We we get, oh, we watch Antonio Brown fall apart and it's so interesting. Guess what? There would actually be a lot of people out there who would love to see Antonio Brown turn this around and be a good, contributing, loving, caring father to his kids, you know, ex-husband, or I, I don't know whether they were married before or they were just together, but partner, let's say, ex-partner to his partner. And we don't give people the chance to do that. What is, I'm not, I'm not in Antonio Brown's head, so I can't tell you this is 100% of the reason why, but I can tell you a percent of the reason why, some percent of why he tells Brian Gumble in real, in real sports, why he doesn't think he needs help is because he doesn't want to acknowledge everyone else out there calling him this thing called crazy. Why does he say he doesn't need Tom Brady sticking up for him? Because he doesn't want to acknowledge this thing with everyone pointing the finger going, you're crazy. But guess what? If health and mental health and health generally was something that we all celebrated and all wanted to help people get better, it wouldn't be this thing like we're pointing him into this category of crazy. It would be, wow, I, I have cancer. I want to take the chemotherapy treatments. I don't want to die. I'd like my cells to get healthier. It would be, and I'm not saying it would happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. But that's, Darren, I'm looking at you. That's why we need the help of the media to not talk about this through the lens of fanaticism and, and craziness and off the wall and zany. We need to talk about this through the lens of what he's going through. Is there is there agreement on this? Like, I, I want to make sure we're, we're all seeing it that way. Because yeah, I, but I, how do you, how do you, how do you, the question is, how do you, how do you do that as someone who is on Twitter and trying to go up against the stream of the searches that come up as crazy in what, how, can, how could we fight against this? We always talk about how can we fight against the narrative of not putting everything together? Did you see Aaron, Aaron Taylor was our guest last week. Did you see Aaron's tweet about no. Antonio Brown? Okay. We can, we can keep talking. I'm going to bring it up, but I think the way that he addressed it is as mature, as forward and to the point, um, and as collaborative as you can. And I and I think as a member of the media, like, you know, um, and I'm forgetting her name, Darren, the woman who who works for college football, who we're connected with on social media, Jen Lada might be the name. Does that does that ring a bell? Um 
She's a great mental health advocate. Emily Kaplan is a great mental health advocate. We've got people in the media space who are starting to gain control of what the right things are to say when these incidents happen. Okay. And we need more. Yeah. It's Jen. It's actually, it's Jen. Jen actually just wrote me on Twitter. So Jen Lado is one of the big voices on college, college football. Uh, she just put out a very, you know, um, uh, uh, heartfelt and vulnerable story about the loss of her father and how uh, she's dealing with it right now. Here, I found, I, I bought enough time to find Aaron's tweet. So this was two days ago. Compassion is an alternative, higher level lens with which to view the AB situation. To be clear, his actions are inappropriate and inex inexcusable as they are un uh, understandable from a mental health standpoint. This is what it looks like, folks, and it's not pretty, let's pray for AB. So he's saying what Dr. Hayes is saying. They're inexcusable, they are outlandish, but this is mental health and let's get this guy help. Darren, we need people in the media to consistently hold hands and say that and not jump at every opportunity and go, the guy's out of his mind. I saw Jimmy Johnson going, He's a knucklehead. He's right. Like this just perpetuates the same crap over and over again. Yeah. But, you know, you gave us a little bit of background of his history. Well, he has severe attachment disorder. He has, he has abandonment issues. Yeah. He has, I'm not good enough. Right. Because you, you see in his story, he becomes very successful and then self-sabotages it. Why? Because that's what we do. Those of us who have severe attachment disorder and we have abandonment issues, we don't feel good enough, we don't feel lovable, we're just going to tear it all down because that's our experience as young, as little people. That's what we were taught. We aren't supposed to be, you know, have those things. So I, re I relate a lot to you know, the background, because yeah. that's how I felt. And that, and that and nuance, and, and, but Theo, that nuance, in fairness, you've been in this space for 15 years now. That's a yes. very nuanced take that that I see Dr. Hayes, who's one of the most well-respected psychologists in the world, shaking his head going, yes, 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 because this is how he would hear someone's story. And, and, and I don't know that we're at a place yet where the Aaron's of the world, the Jens of the world, the Darren's of the world can yet in a little tweet, be able to communicate to that level of clarity. Right. 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 Yes, of course. Cause we're not trained psychologists. They're not trained psychologists we're not trained psychologists. Psychi or, or psychiatrists. We only have, you know, we only have life experience. That's it. Right. Uh, doc, when you said up our game, what does that look like? What is, what does upping our game look like? I, I think we each need to take the responsibility to develop more modern minds for the modern world. We're exposed to stuff. We're just in a different world because of what's happening with technology and so forth. And so when you take the perspective, of, let's say, Antonio Brown, you know, then can you 
instigate, model, and support healthy processes. I mean, you're not his therapist. You know how to do it directly to him, but you can put things into your heart and head and hands, and you can put it out there through, if you're a media person, through the media, if you're coached through coaching. And what is that? Well, for example, you got an emotionally dysregulated person who's wrapped around the axle of judgmental thoughts, adopting this kind of cartoon persona, and out of it's forgot his values, he's hurting people he loves. Well, can you, in, when you take the perspective of this guy who had that difficult history that you went went through, Eric, can you share a little bit about some of your own difficult feelings, even seeing that? Right. Some of the thoughts that show up, even watching that, and some of the connections that you see, put a little bit of that into your stories or into your, your tweets or into your conversations with your neighbor while watching the game or whatever. And your values, like what do you bring to this? What do you want to see in your family, your community, but also in your teams and in the people that you look up to? And you could do that without judgment and wagging fingers and pulling the person down, but still have accountability. So I think what up in our game means we if it's five out of five, that's all of us. If it isn't one hour a week, it's 24-7, that's all the time. And just like you wouldn't say, you know, I'll, you know, exercise when I get an illness, you know, you got to work on your mental health now. And the how you react to an Antonio Brown, how you know, what tweets you write and what stories you write is a reflection of that for you. Yep. And by extension of that, you know, who knows, maybe we can put things into the culture that through a coach or somebody, a loved one, you know, something will be there for this man. You, you, well, you just nailed, so. well, you just nailed Stephen, you know, Theo, I don't know whether in, in today's world, you consider yourself a member of the media, an advocate of anybody uh, who has a, has a cell phone is okay. a member of the media. Okay. So, so as a member of the media, <laughs> what I appreciate so much, because Stephen just said it, and I'm saying it's not fair to expect people who are in the media to be a psychologist, be a psychiatrist and understand abandonment issues and get it to that level. That being said, Stephen just brought up a great point. And it's what Theo did this entire episode is he shared how his experience and what he's been through, even the slightest bit of it, the slightest sliver of it looks like what we're seeing happening with Antonio Brown. Aaron, whether whether he went into detail of it or not, you could hear in the tone of what he's saying there, this is what it looks like. That's because Aaron's been open about his own stuff. He knows what it looks like because he's been through it. He's thrown the Gatorade uh, containers on the field when he's been pissed off about something, right? Microcosms of it, but it's there. And so for the media, for everyone else, to Theo's point, who's deputized members of the media because we all have phones when we talk about this if we want to be productive one this is mental health right i think we have to acknowledge that if you say that alone that's a big piece of this instead of saying new train wreck new train wreck he's crazy in this way he's crazy now this is mental health it's an accumulation of stuff we got to be concerned about that's number one number two use some of your own story to shed light and 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 the the best way in Antonio's case, I personally was able to shed light was I remember being volatile. Look, look, my brother was sick all those years when I was a kid. What was going on in my head? 
probably one of the reasons why I yelled at a referee as often as I did. And I was pissed off is because there were some inadequacy things about, is my brother going to stay alive? Is he going to be around? Like everyone else on the court's going to get that. And I'm not, was I processing that and like cognitively thinking that? No, but looking back on it right now, that's probably the calculation that was going on in my mind. And so if I can emote and be open and be vulnerable and share that, if each of us can share little pieces of what we've been through that relates to what we're seeing with this person that we're calling this far end of the spectrum, that behavior then, instead of it being considered, they're out of their mind, they're crazy, they're a lunatic, it's now, that's a different version of the same thing. Let's wrap our arms around them and help that person. Theo, yes. So can you say, Doc, that sometimes your unconscious brain can hijack your present brain? Is that what's going on? <laughs> Well, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, when when these things happen, these traumas and so forth, especially if you suppress, if, especially if you avoid, especially as you run away, they don't go away. They just go down into the basement and they run around and in your dreams, in your implicit cognition, when you're not even watching it in the first 300 milliseconds when something happens before you can even put a word to it, you're already being moved. You're down a track. And so you've kind of lost your freedom, really, to make choices about who and how you want to be in the world. So you really want to kind of begin to open the doors to the basement and so forth, not wallowing. It's not talking about lying on a couch for 10 years or something. Just allow your life to teach you to peel back the onion to find out what's really there. You'll never be finished, but you can bring what you find, the wisdom that you find into the lives of others that you love and into the community. And and we need to do that now. And I think that is not finding the label. You're not a professional psychologist. I am. I don't want to find the labels. They're not helpful. (laughs) What I want to find are the processes. And those are helpful to me every day. I think they're helpful on the sports field. They're helpful to the coaches, helpful to the human beings that, uh, you know, are around us every day. And so that shift that mental health is a five out of five, 24 seven task means focusing on what are the healthy processes, bring them into your lives, share it, lift it up, learn about it, study it, practice it, you know, and, uh, that's then these stories that you see or these difficult moments you see, like like with Antonio, you know, they have a little lesson to teach and you can bring a, a sense of compassion that isn't indulgent, that isn't just excusing and, you know, trying to just make nice and not pretend that yeah. things are, 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 are not right and what we're seeing here. Right. And so it's irresponsible of the media to label immediately that that guy's crazy. Crazy, but, and then and, no, then and then here's the other. But, here's but, the other. But lady. nobody. But then, but then, you know, because they're all in on it. Say, you know, if it's a panel, they're all in on it. Where's the accountability for saying that? Right. Well, that that's the point that Darren's bringing. Well, what what, what about what about what about? Let's get him some help. Right. Why Why is it appropriate to say that only amongst? your friends or people that you know, or even someone you don't know, right? Like when someone says it to, uh, like, I, I knew this girl, I didn't know her brother, her brother needed help. I could see it, right? Why Antonio Brown is a human too. Uh, why don't we ever see it as, and, and he was on our fantasy team and we had his jersey if he's on your fantasy team and he has your his name is on your clothing, why is it appropriate not to say as the human race, 
we need to help this guy out. Well, but, Why but Darren, are we shouting it's, labels? It's because of the peer pressure of of your industry. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it out for what it is. If you're on a set and you're one of four, and they're that's crazy. What um, I can't believe what he did. That's out of his mind. And you're the guy or the gal who stands up and goes, "Listen, this is not a jo whoa, joking whoa, whoa. matter. We need to help this person." Right? The rest of the group thinks that you're calling them out. Oh, like, so you're saying that and you're saying that I was making fun of him. And Darren, be honest, like you, one of your fears of saying something that's a little more, let's call it like backing him up and defending him. You have to be ready. You have to be ready for the consequences of what you say. Yes. Every and it, so it takes a very strong person to say those things. Aaron Taylor is not going to get as many likes on his tweet that he is on another tweet when he's talking about that the offensive line for Ohio state is great versus Michigan, right? He's not going to get as many likes. He's going to get some pretty offensive comments. Uh, oh, you're soft, Aaron get that stuff away. Let's not, that's why everyone gets a participation trophy because of the way that you're talking about stuff. That's what we're going to have to deal with. But the leaders in this space in order to make change happen are going to have to be willing to deal with those consequences for that change to happen. Because without it, it remains an us and them. I love that Dr. Hayes is part of Team No Label. You know, Theo the was, was was cheering as, as he heard uh, Dr. say that, right? His hands are up. But that that's what it is. Like, we have to talk about this like we're humans. And that's the only way this thing gets normalized. It doesn't get normalized by stop the stigma. It doesn't get normalized by throwing stats out there. It doesn't get normalized by labels. It gets normalized by storytelling. And so, you know, I, I think our takeaway here is that this is a nuanced topic. I, I'll end on this. One other label that gets discussed with Antonio Brown that we also have to be very careful. I'm talking to you broadcasters. I'm talking to you fans also is saying his CTE is acting up. Okay. Antonio Brown was a football player. No question. The football players deal with traumatic brain injury yes theo the hockey players brains hit into their skull when they just stop short even if they're not hitting into another player yes well, every every time you get hit okay but <laughs> we are not in the brain of antonio brown we are nope. not slicing his brain open we cannot diagnose this to dr hayes's point when you say crazy oh but i'm not saying crazy i'm saying cte so i'm using an actual diagnosis you're doing just as much a disservice to this overall conversation because you're putting a label on someone and saying this is the reason why it's happening, which then has all these other negative ramifications that come from it, which is, well, I don't play football, I don't play hockey, so I don't have CTE, so that's never going to happen to me. Mental health doesn't apply to me. That's one of the possibilities that happens there. Or now you're saying that every one of these football players or every one of these hockey players, Theo, that you're retired now, well, you get this comment all the time because they look at it on oh, Twitter. Yeah. Theo, you're out of your mind. You got these crazy political ideas and say all these things because of your CTE, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing when we use this terminology, people. We're creating us and them's, us and them's, and it's hurting us. Yeah. Division, right? So it's yep. about it's about division. And in the mental health space, if we're gonna overcome this, we gotta all be on the same page in the same way, wavelength, right? Which takes compassion and empathy and you know, all those things. Right. And, you know, it, 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 
you know, we're, we're educating the masses, right? And that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of, but, you know, we all chose to be mental health advocates and that's what we're trying to do, right? It's not going to happen overnight. All of, the thing that's in all those labels is otherizing. It's us and them. It's otherizing. And we, let's just let the otherizing stop because we're all stretched. We're all challenged. It's five out of five. So can we instead connect, communicate, share, lift each other up and, you know, up our game? We've got some things to learn. We we can't just sort of be lazy on this and say, you know, everything I need to know about mental health. I just learned by being born or watching my parents or something. No, it's a lifelong journey. And you're never going to be finished, but you can get better. Just like you're never going to be finished physically exercising, but you can get better. So uh, if, if that's the takeaway, when you do see things like, you know, you can relate to it and say, yeah, that emotional dysregulation at that level, that's not good. It's not good for his game, not good for his family. It's not good for his teammates. It's not good. And maybe even carried him over in criminal stuff and he's going to have consequences. But do I have a problem with emotional dysregulation? Sometimes, hell yes. So do you and so do you and so do you. So can we get together and and work on getting better and and bring that into our culture and bring that into our our day-to-day life or work life and the rest of it so yeah. uh, it's a challenge it's a different shift you know we, we've sort of say the therapists are going to do for us no they're not it's our job you it's nailed our- it i think that's a great way to end Stephen. is you look at the ratio of therapists to people who need therapists we're never going to have enough therapists for the number of people who need therapists because this is 8 billion people who need this stuff. That means the reason why when Theo says, I chose to be an advocate, Darren chose to be an advocate, Erica chose to be an advocate, we're an extension of the Stephen C. Hayes of the world in that we need to be peer-to-peer therapists for each other. I don't mean that in the clinical way so no one get caught up. We need to be peer-to-peer therapists for each other. Let's heed the advice we're hearing. Let's hold hands. That's the way we get better. So on behalf of Theo Fleury, Darren Vell, our great guest, Dr. Stephen C. Hayes, please check out Stephen C. Hayes' books. Please check out Act Therapies all over the place. Uh, this is Eric Hewson. We're all a little crazy, and we'll look forward to seeing you next episode. Thanks. Every decision we make in our daily lives is impacted by our health to some degree. Jobs, relationships, families, even our culture relies on the structural backbone that is good mental health. But with the current level of sheer hecticness and chaos in our world, it's important to slow down and recognize how we're all being affected. We're all a little crazy isn't just for the one in five with mental illness that statistically hear all the time. It's for the five in five whose mental health has been impacted, all of us. Each episode, we talk about media, politics, sports, technology, influential figures, entertainment, and how mental health applies to them all. This show is at the cross-section of current events and mental health. Join us on We're All a Little Crazy with Darren Ravel, Sports Business Insider, Theo Fleury, NHL great and mental health advocate, and me, your co-host, Eric Houston, founder of the Hashtag Same Here Global Mental Health Movement. Listen to We're All a Little Crazy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.